Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason here in Brooklyn, joined as always by John, who's abroad in New Zealand. Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year. 2022. Big year. Yeah? Yeah. How do you figure? Because it's the, it's the newest year, right? Year of possibilities. Well, the biggest. Yeah, if you're, counting, if you're counting up year by year, then the new year is always going to be the biggest year, Yeah, relatively speaking. Just it's think the year we're of closer our, to 2040 than we are to the year 2000. You want to you run that by me again? Say it one more time, slower. We're closer to 2040 mm-hmm. than we are to the year 2000 in time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right? That's how math works. I mean, um, and I mean also, that was last year as if, well, but still. And, yeah. Also, if you're, um, if you're Jewish, it's the year 5,782. Sure. Go figure. Don't why, know why. Why is that? Yeah, why is I that? Don't, I don't know. It's like there's certain things about Judaism that I don't question. One is how time works. Two <laughs> is why the rules of kosher are the way they are. Just doesn't make sense to me. Oh, other things I don't question. Yeah. Rules of Shabbos. Confuses yeah, like the hell out of me. Something like kosher seems to be kind of arbitrary, right? Because it changes. What's kosher can change? Um, or has kinda, it been the same for thousands not of really. years? It, it's been okay. the same. So if you look back in history, the rules of kosher were kind of based on the rules that they had back in the day, right? So sure. You know, don't eat pigs because pigs are dirty. It's like, okay, fair enough. You know, sure. They didn't they didn't have uh, meat thermometers. So you don't want to eat pork. But we got them now. So we can eat pork without fear of getting, you know, dysentery or whatever the hell eating raw pig would get you. I don't know if that's true. Um but uh, yeah, it, it, but it's like things don't evolve. That's that's one of the biggest failings of religion is lack of evolution. It's like, no, that thing that was written that many years ago, that's that's the move. We're just mm. going to follow that forever. It's like, I'm sorry, but you're missing out on bacon. Bacon's good. Bacon's good. Also, cheeseburgers. Can't have that. Wow. I mean. Yeah. Can't can't have lobster. Yeah. No shellfish. Yeah, I know, I know no shellfish. That's a big one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of, lot of stuff off limits. Yeah. I also don't know what the time is between like the no milk or meat thing. Like, How long is it between eating a regular hamburger and then drinking a milkshake? Never really thought to look that up, and I don't now. So you just have to ponder <laughs> that and uh, and think about that. Yeah, but the, and then the and then the rules of the of the Shabbos are also very strange. Like uh, no work for twenty four hours, but okay, got it. So you're telling me I can't drive a car to synagogue, but you want me to walk miles to do mm. it? I always felt bad for those old guys who would do that. I was like, you know, what's easier? Definitely easier. Like, let's say God did really tell you to do that. Um, yeah. if he knew cars were coming, he'd probably let you drive them. He was like, yeah, why are you walking? You have a, you have a replacement hip, get in the car, go to, go to shul. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need, you don't need to walk a mile. Yeah. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. And honestly, if he did want you to walk that mile with your fake hip, then not really the kind of guy that you want to be, uh, you know, exactly. dedicating your life to. That's that's what I'm with. Like you know, a lot of people, and I would say this is this is Catholics as well, right? They think mm-hmm. God is a God is a torturous God, right? He's a he's fire and hell and damnation. And I'm like, I yeah. don't really know if I want to be be on on team with a guy that wants to punish me all the time, right? Like, you know, I understand some things you got to do because they're hard and, you know, they're worth doing, but not just to do yeah. it just because to do it. Like, there's got to be a line, right? Like, if it hurts, like, there's a difference between, right? There's a difference between being hurt and being injured. 
And I would say that if you got a fake hip, that's an injury, right? You shouldn't be yeah. playing. Mm-hmm. If you're yeah, hurt, yeah. then I get it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So sure, your, your toes are a little sore. Keep going. But if you've had your hip replaced or you've broken a leg, like, you shouldn't keep going. Like, you should stop. Yeah, also so, the elevator. It's like if you're if you're on, like, the 20th floor of a building and you're and you basically follow Judaism to a T. That means on Fridays, once the sun goes down to Saturday, when the sun goes down, if you want to leave your apartment, you have to walk up and down 20 flights of stairs. That's rude. And if you wanted to take one of these, like they had these in Israel, which feels like a cheat. You tell me, what's the call on this? You're the ref. Mm -hmm. They have what they call um, Shabbos elevators, which run automatically. So you don't press the buttons. They just run and stop at every floor. Right. Okay. Yep. Thoughts. I mean, seems. I mean, can you take the stairs? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, I stairs, guess, but that's I the thing. It, it's more yeah. work. It's more effort to take the stairs. Again, do it with the fake hip. Gotta but be I also on the first think that floor. you're. Is that not more wasteful of electricity? Like you're still using electricity just because you don't touch it. You are touching it with your feet, right? Like you are technically using electricity. Yeah. Exactly. That's why so it kind of seems it, like if you're going to yeah. build all these loopholes into it, you might as well just go ahead and just have a doorman then. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Right? Pay somebody. Pay somebody to do this since you yeah. don't. You know, like I, they, I've told uh, the story of this before. When I lived in Crown Heights, my, my neighbor used to invite me over to like turn stuff off for them. He was like, hey, yeah. I can't touch this stuff. Can you turn it off? Yeah. You the, and then he would like offer the me Gentile. food afterwards. Yeah. And I was like. I was like, no, nah, I'm good because I, I don't know if this is a sacrificial thing. Like, what's going to happen, right? At the time, I didn't know. I was ignorant. But at the same time, this guy was having me come over to turn the stuff off and be like, well, I can't touch it. I'm like, you can't, but, you but can. I can? So what's going to mm-hmm. happen here? you trying to tell me, he's like, oh, you're, a, you're the sucker. You shouldn't be touching it either. So, yeah. Um, look, if it's, I think some things are back in the day when we didn't have a lot of electricity, right? Like, it was a, it was a luxury anyways when some mm-hmm. of these rules were made. And I oh, think yeah. it's, it's kind of like our constitution, right? Well, the rules were probably made about, I mean, you know, 5,782 years ago. Like, I don't what, know, what electricity one did you, like, what Moses, what, yeah, what electricity did Moses have? When was, when was that invented? Like, Wait, electricity you wanna, wasn't you, a did thing. You, you want to, you want to start that question again? Ask me yeah. what, what kind of electricity did Moses have? <laughs> yeah, Moses didn't have any, he had lightning. This is right? well before Benjamin Franklin flew that kite. That's, that's, all right? that's my this point. Is, this is well before that. So that's my point. So back None then, it was really easy the not to, to touch. answer to that question. Yes. Yeah, it's real easy for Moses not to touch anything. Like, yeah. It's real easy for Moses not to take the elevator. Yeah, they didn't have the skyscrapers some, either. With some Egyptian slave with a rope. Like, yeah. That was the elevator. If anything, they'd say no stairs because, you know, they'd just be thinking about those pyramids. Like, no, 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 yeah. no. That's your day off. No stairs. No yeah, stairs. Yeah, so like, could you not Whatever use you like like the water? Like you couldn't use a candle? Like what? I mean, yeah. So I just think like you, your rules suck for today's day. Like re- yeah. revamp them, right? You got to make them newer. Rewrite them. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, rewrite the rules, right? So maybe it's just like no cell phones. Like you can touch electricity, like turn on the microwave, but you can't use your phone, right? That to me seems more worthwhile, right? You No know, internet connection, family connection. But you can't get on Skype. You can't be on the internet for Saturday. That seems more reasonable than you can't touch anything with electricity, with electrical current. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so the starting point of the Hebrew calendar, chrono- chronology, of the Hebrew chronology is the year 3761 BC, the date for the creation of the world as described in the Old Testament. So there you go. That's day one, according to them. 
So in a way, you know, that's also how many years the um, you know Christians would also believe. That's why, like these um, creationists, they they think that the the Earth is only you know about six thousand years old. Yeah, go figure. Yeah, they're probably not right. that old, right? Not that old, and it's nope. very flat. No, nope. it's going to take so time go. to get curvature. <laughs> yeah, if it's even, I don't know how that happens, how that works. I'm not going to go into it. <laughs> but now you know. Now you know. Um, so yeah, happy New Year! And uh, what did you uh, what did you do? Because you know what I did. I do. You were there. Me, I did the same thing with you. It just wasn't my New Year. Um. So not not mm-hmm. a lot. Sat outside, enjoyed a nice cigar, and stayed up to try and watch some type of program during the new year. And this is why I wanted to bring this up. Because yeah. of COVID, this was the saddest new year celebration I've ever seen from New Zealand. It was sad. Right? So they really? had no they didn't even have like an because there's like an Anderson Cooper equivalent. I don't know any of these dudes' names, but you know, there's there's your TV host that everyone loves. Like those people exist everywhere, right? We're like, oh, that's that's Jim Bob. Jim Bob's great. His name's not Jim Bob, it's something else. So, right, so they basically go, Hey, you know, because of COVID nineteen restrictions in Auckland, right? We're not gonna have anything. So like they kind of did like this really cringy skit with Jacinda, who's the prime minister. And the sure. Wellington Paranormal right people, the Wellington Paranormal people, right? I don't, I don't, I haven't watched this show, but I know that it's filmed here in Wellington, and I know what it's about, right? It's like there's ghosts and stuff walking around Wellington, whatever. And it's based off of that, um, what was it? Uh, where we live in the shadows, or whatever the name of that movie is, that Taika movie from back what, in the day. What we do in the shadows. What we do in the shadows. See, I don't even know the name of, it, and I live here. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So they had those people on there. It was real cringy, making the same. The ki- Kiwis make like the same jokes for like the last like thirty years. Like I've heard the same jokes as long as I've lived here, and those jokes have been around since the eighties. And they kind of had some lights on a bridge, and that was it. And it started lights at eleven fifty. Fireworks? No fireworks. Not even fireworks. It started at eleven fifty and ended at twelve oh one. And then I was like, well, I should have just went to sleep at eleven. Um, wow. So yeah, I, but yeah, it was fine. It was good. It was nice, relaxing New Year, especially after a crazy twenty twenty one. It was nice to not be somewhere with a bunch of people because, yeah, sure, there's no COVID here, really, but we're getting to the point where we're, you know, everyone's going to catch this thing, apparently, because, you know, the rest of the world has decided that for the rest of New Zealand, that everyone's going to catch this. So it is what it is. Um, right. So, yeah, just didn't feel like catching it until 2022. So now I can catch it. Now I'm ready. Hmm. Very well done. Yeah. Well, that sounds exciting. Meanwhile, New York had their uh, had their New Year's had a few options on the table, and I did nothing. I just uh, I played Halo with you. <laughs> That's <laughs> that was that was New Year's. That was New Year's for me, and it was lovely. I woke up uh, without a hangover, which was lovely. Um, New yeah, Year's is nice, usually right? the day to wake up fresh, ready to go take on the day. Yeah, I'd say of the. Of all of the holidays, um, of all the holidays, uh, of all the days I've been hungover, I'm going to say probably 90% of them have been the day after New Year's because I don't, I don't usually drink that much. So it happens. And I, th- and I honestly think the reason I remember I was talking to my dad earlier and I was like, yeah, I told him what I did. I was like, I wasn't hungover. He's like, I didn't realize you get hungover. I was like, well, everybody gets hungover once you hit a certain age. It's inevitable, but (laughs) I just, the reason why is new year's is the only night where the goal is to stay out and stay, to stay awake and to stay awake. Right? Like a lot of times there's two things you can do to stay awake. 
to either keep eating. <laughs> Depends what you're or, eating. Or, right? Well, I mean, if you get like M and M's, right? Like you can you can stay awake eating a a giant Costco sized bag of M and M's or peanut M and M's, right? Like fine sure. chips or something, right? Like you can stay awake if you constantly just keep yourself of keep eating. Um, you can stay like if it's ten o'clock and you want to stay awake, eat for the next two hours, <laughs> and you'll stay awake. You'll stay up. Hmm. Um, and I'm assuming drinking is sort of like that as well. But I'm with you. I'm old. So it's like, yeah. you know, I, I, I struggle to wake up the next day after a big meal. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that I'll, point. I'm also at the point where like a beer or two will make me feel like shit. So I basically stopped drinking beer. I mean, same, I mean, uh, same here. I'm not, I've it's never my been a last resort. Person. I prefer yeah, never uh, been a, big a cocktail or something. I've reached that point in like, life as well. I'm just old. When I was in Mexico city, we were out going to a bunch of cocktail bars and that was great. And then the last stop, we're just like ready to ready to call it at night. And the dude who's been taking us around all night, he brings us to this place that's about to close and he just hands us all beers. And I think none of us in our group actually drank the entire thing and just had like three yeah. sips and then just hit it. I was like, yeah, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> Don't need it. Don't need it. So anyway, but yeah, it was a very uneventful New Year's. Obviously, Omicron is wreaking havoc in the city as far as jacking up the numbers. Um, hospital rates are still fine i mean there's no yeah. good ones right anybody in the hospital is a bad thing but not as bad as it could be and most of the people there are still the unvaccinated so let me tell you people that aren't that are in the hospital you had your chance i feel bad for the kids it's the only people i feel bad for well look i mean i've been told as well that because omicron is not as it's more contagious but it's not as dangerous right like the effects exactly. aren't as deadly yeah. it's a it actually might it point. actually might it might actually speed up the end of this thing because the people, Hopefully. number of people who are going to die of this is going to be less, right? So people will still die, but it's just going to be less because it's not like Delta where you get these, you know, really hard symptoms. The symptoms here are very mild, apparently. So Omicron yeah. kind of runs through everybody, but it comes and it goes. So yeah, there's a good chance that this is actually a good thing that we've caught a variant now that most people are going to catch, and it's not the it's not the variant that's going to kill everybody. Yeah, it's like the the Spanish flu, but the other. Yeah, there, there's still a question about the actual severity of it, because even if you look at the United States, 61% of people are still vaccinated, fully yeah. vaccinated. So if everybody got it, that's a level of immunity that you wouldn't have had otherwise. So, you know, who knows? We'll see. Yeah. But I hope that's true, because that's basically what happened with Spanish flu. Everybody, it came back and it wasn't that bad. And then life went on. And here we are. The only the biggest risk as well is that with the amount of spread as it festers and continues to move on, it also has higher chances of further mutations. But again, with every time you get it, you strengthen that herd immunity and so be it. But that was like probably 10% factor into my decision to stay home on New Year's. So, yeah, but yeah, overall, not feeling too bad. I'm feeling optimistic. Um, I think it was last year that I said that around this time that this is that's the upswing year, and you know things are going to get pretty bad by around March, and then you know that it was it was going to be around March or April. That's it was, if it was the Mighty Ducks, then that's when we tied Goldberg to the net. Um, and I think right <laughs> now we're in. Uh, if if this is Mighty Ducks yeah. two, um. I'd say this is probably just the beginning of the movie where we're just a little bit too cocky. 
Yeah. Yep. And I would say we we we've not reached that yet in in New Zealand. We're not at that point yet. Um, I think and, we'll get there soon. So. And if this is Mighty Ducks too, we're in for a pretty good year at the end. Um, but God help us if next year is Mighty Ducks three because that movie sucks. Yeah. It's that is just a big. That is, that is just yeah. a big trash fire. Yeah, they go back trash to fire of a movie. It's real. No, they go to like a prep school. Prep school, but it's high school though. It's not college. It's like high school. It's like a high school like dormitory. Yeah, prep but they were school. kids. They were that makes sense though because they were like so young in the other two movies in one yeah, and two. Yeah, but then they're just like, well, now we're gonna go play high school hockey with like this this boarding school. <laughs> and it was like, wait, what? It was weird. Very weird yeah. change of events. It's very well. Anyway, movie sucks. Not good, but. Um, Mighty Dust Game Changers, that show, great show, great show. Yeah, haven't uh, haven't watched it yet. So and there's there's another there's a couple of shows that are coming up that we'll talk about in media therapy. There's another show that I just saw on my Netflix that I'm keen to watch this week. Good stuff. All right. Well, set it here. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Is it a is it a season four of a show? Perhaps it is a season four of a show. So yeah. stay tuned. I'm excited about that too. All right. Well. Look, I, again, don't have much news to talk about here, but we got a lot of uh, movies and game stuff to talk about later, so we'll do that. But first, there's really one thing that happened this week that shook the world, and that is Betty White is no longer with us. Yeah, she almost made it, too. That's the thing. I feel like they kind of cursed it, right? There was a like, People it's, it's easy, it's easy Magazine to say that now. cover. Yeah. It's easy to say that now. Cover that is made that says how I made it to a hundred that was going to run next month. <laughs> it's awful. Like I feel like that's setting yourself up for failure. And I don't yeah. know if anyone actually feels bad about that because I would feel bad about that. If I was the one in charge of that campaign being like, mm, I don't want to preemptively cause 99, right? If you make it to 99, first of all, congratulations, because that's a heck of an achievement. Make it to 99, make it to 80. I think you did pretty well. I mean, you can make it longer than 80. I'd say in today's day, age, if you make it past 85, that's you're doing better than the majority of people who've ever lived at this point. I'm just saying, there's a lot of traffic. Yeah. <laughs> Again, like it's, you know, like we've now reached a point where people are going to live longer, which is great. But 99 is, you know, you've made it. 99 is a, gr- a, a beyond great age. Oh, yeah. And specifically Betty White, who I believe started being in show business as, as a teenager. She had 70 plus years of working in Hollywood. More than that, probably 80 plus years of working. And if she made it to 99 and let's say she started at 19, it's 80 years of working in business. Let's see. I'm going to go to, I'm going to IMDb to see what her earliest credit is. I believe, I, I, I of course watched something and it said she started it in her teens. So I'm assuming starting in your teens means Mary Tyler Moore show. I guess that's where she started. And I'm assuming she was at least 19, uh, a lot. I mean, a million, because mm. she was she worked for 80 years. So let me see if I can come up with a number. I'm going to say 300 credits. No, I don't have a, um, I don't have an explicit. I was going to say you got to count number for this. So I'm just going to say this: Who has more credits, Betty White or Paul Giamatti? Betty White easily. Paul Giamatti wishes. He he's looked as old as Betty White. Just talking about actor acting credits here. Yeah, Betty White. Now, do you want to? Okay, do you want to give a what the difference is? I mean, Paul Giamatti's been in a lot of stuff. Don't get me wrong, right? The man's been busy, but I'm going to say at least fifty more credits. 
And you're talking See, about I credits, not, have just, asked this... not just film credits, right? You're talking about television, Act- show yep, appearances. Acting. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so wait, wait, acting, but does it count like the fact that she's been on like a talk show, right? Because that normally comes as a credit of like Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that's yeah. one show that's one showing just like you know, billions for Paul Giamatti is just one. Yeah, that's that's not even I mean. though he's been so, on oh, it for so six mean, years. So if she's been on Jay Leno twenty times, that doesn't count as twenty different that counts Correct. as one credit. Yes. Okay, so if that's the case, and probably a little less. Right, but she was on the Golden Girls, so most people know her for. She's been in a couple of random movies, especially later in life. She'd make little weird cameos. She's been on Saturday Saturday Night Live. She won an Emmy for Saturday Night Live, I believe, when she was in her nineties. Commercials? Do commercials count? She's been in more commercials than Paul Giamatti. I don't think so. Um, well, no, because maybe, but Paul Giamatti's also like that weird accountant. I don't think commercials are counted in IMDb. Okay. So I don't know. I mean, just give me the answer. I don't have an answer. She's been in more stuff. She only, than him she only has 10 more credits than Paul Giamatti. Wow. Paul Giamatti yeah. is, a, is a busy man. Dude works. Dude works. Yeah. So yeah, she her first credit that she has is from Time to Kill, a short where she played Lou's Girl in 1945 this is the crazy wow. thing when you think about people who are about a hundred years old it's like they were alive in world war ii like they were conscious yeah. yep in world war ii yep 1945 wow yeah wow it's bananas then um she was a she was phone girl on hollywood on television and then life with elizabeth appears to be her big break on a tv show that was from 1952 to 1955 wow god geez <laughs> just imagine the difference just imagine the difference of time you gotta you gotta imagine what it's like to see the world through somebody's eyes who's like a hundred years old yeah it's crazy. i mean the number of change and look in betty white if anything what what helped betty white was that she was able to she was able to stay relevant Right. Like the fact that people our age and I would say people even younger than us know who Betty White is through all different reasons. Right. There's a generation of people who know her through Golden Girls, a generation of people who know her through these commercials she was in, um, through all these different shows that Betty White, she kind of had the same ability to not only laugh at herself, but also understand culture. Right. Yeah. Like I, I don't ever hear stories about Betty White kind of being out of touch or saying something that was a little she would always seem to be very grateful of like, man, I can't believe I'm still working. I can't believe people call me at all. And she was able to kind of just do stuff and go, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And I'll do it with a smile. She's always, she was always fun. And she connected she always with convinced. everybody. And she yeah. seemed genuine. Yes. And she always seemed like she was in on the joke. Yes. Like she was yes, going that's, along that's with I mean. it and she just having seemed, a good time. Yeah. She never seemed to take herself too seriously. That's the thing. Like she, she hmm. always seemed to be in on what the rest of us were in on. And that's why it's hard to dislike Betty White. Um, I again, I you don't hear anything about being like mm, Betty White. Like mm, she's like everyone's like, oh yeah, Betty White, Betty White. She's still alive. She's still kicking. <laughs> that seems yeah. to be more people being like Betty White's gonna live forever. Betty White's never gonna die. Right. She's she was timeless in that way. But yeah, I I just the reason why I've got criticism is because I feel like People Magazine jinxed this, and specifically for a pretty tough year globally. Right. We all thought. 2020 we were like oh thank god 2020 is out of here good we can move on with our lives and 2021 was just a continuation of that year and so i think most people are like really 2021 this is how you're gonna end this is how you're gonna get it over with they got it over with you know but yeah the the um the article was actually published 
So they got it. it people, yeah. they shipped it. Um, that'll probably be a collector's item. Probably. So if you got the, if yeah, you got probably. that magazine, don't don't get rid of it. Yeah, don't. Um, but yeah, it. it says the golden birthday girl reveals her secrets to happiness from peanut butter and bologna sandwiches to her love of laughter. Betty White turns 100 forever funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, rest rest in peace, Betty White. Yeah, I don't really have too much. She's the last of the golden um, girls as well. She's the last of the golden girls. No, none of the golden girls are left. I've never seen oh. an episode of really? the golden girls. Nope. Never did. Um, I I honestly didn't have too much affinity for Betty White. She always just seemed like that. That fun, happy old lady who's just seemed to be old forever. And, you know, she was just there. I never there wasn't really a day that I thought about Betty White. And I was like, oh, man, you know what I really want to do? I need to I need to engage in some Betty White material. (laughs) Never, never a thing that's crossed my mind. But hey, you know, good for her. She always, uh, everybody that talks about her only had positive things to say about her. She seems great. Yeah, that's the and, thing. I um, never remember you know, anyone that's having a, a negative thing to say about Betty White. So, and just having those, her. Yeah. having those personalities of positivity. Yeah. It's super rare in public yeah. consciousness, especially now in a world of beef. Like, it, it, Betty White is probably one of the few things that could bridge political divides, you know? You're not you're not seeing Trump ever come out and talk shit about Betty White. No. You know? No. Like every everybody come back. Like who's, who's gonna say she talk shit about Betty White? You're an asshole if you talk shit about Betty White. What did she ever do to you? Nothing. So shut up. I don't know who I'm talking to. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, but again, someone I, I who's don't, about yeah. to, someone who's listening who's like, actually, it's like, no, 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 no. Sit down. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't think there's too many people who dislike who dislike Betty White. I think I think we could kind of build a bit of a straw man there. Um, mm-hmm. I think most people, you know, they might have not necessarily known who Betty White was other than, oh, yeah, she's the old woman from this. But I, I think for the most part, everyone that was like, yeah, it's Betty White. Who dislikes Betty White? Betty White's great. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So rest in peace, Betty White. We hardly knew you. And I didn't know you at all. So there you go. Well, enough of the sad stuff. But we're already talking about media stuff, so let's uh, let's just jump right into some uh, media therapy and go through all the stuff that you've been watching and I've been playing, and get a little rant in between about injustice. Yeah, so you're up. Cool. Alrighty. So, um, watch some movies. Haven't watched all the movies that I want to watch. Right. So Dune is still on my list. the The Spider Man movie is on my list. Um, at some point, Denzel becomes Macbeth. That's on my list. <laughs> yep. Is that out? That's out. Okay, that's on my list. Cohen Brothers joint. Um, there's there's a movie with Bill Murray, I believe. It's called The French Something. I keep mispronouncing this name. The French Dispatch. The, yes, The French Dispatch. It's a very long name because there's a bunch of stuff after The French Dispatch, right? That's on my list as well. But look, I haven't seen any of those movies. No, I think it's so, just called The French Dispatch. That's, I think it's um, called The French Dispatch of something, 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 something. It's something, not. I believe. It's just called The French Dispatch, okay. a Wes Anderson joint. Yeah, okay. Cool. No. Um. So yeah. So Curious that's about that all. No, it is. It's called The French Dispatch of the Liberty Kansas Evening Sun. Is the name of the f- the full name of the movie? Well, that's stupid. Well, uh, Timothy Chalamet is in that as well. Of course he is, because he's in everything. <laughs> why wouldn't he be? Because why wouldn't he be? Between Tim and him and Tom Holland, they're in everything. Yeah. Exactly. So I haven't seen those movies, but I have seen a few. Right, I've seen four movies. Right, and I'm going to start in in order 
of when I watch these. So I watched Yesterday. Yesterday's not a new movie. Yesterday came out what? Was it 2020 when Yesterday came out? 2019. Uh, that is a crazy sentence that I can't I can't wrap my head around. But yes. <laughs> 20 It was 2019. Pre, pre-pando. Pre-pando. Yes. 2019. Mm-hmm. This is a movie if you've not seen it is a movie about a British guy whose name I'm trying to remember is Jack. His name is Jack. And he's a musician, right? So he's a musician and he's struggling and he's trying to write his own songs and trying to play gigs. And his childhood friend, who I thought was great in this, I thought she did an an excellent job. I don't I don't know who the actual actress is, but I thought she was great in this movie. Yeah. And good. she was she was the one who kind of was like, "Hey, I'm going to get you gigs. I'm going to drive you around, right? I'm going to do all these things because you're you're great." And Lily I want James. You to keep doing yes, Lily Lil, James. Lily James is great in this movie. So basically the plot of this movie goes, he's kind of decided to give up on songwriting. He's like, I'm done. This isn't working. I need to move on with my life. Um, and and Lily James was in Baby Driver as well. She played uh I believe she played John Hamm's wife. She played the, the she played Driver. Yes. So No, she did not play John Hamm's wife. <laughs> I was about to say, wait she, a minute. <laughs> she played she played the the love interest. Oh, it was love interest. Okay, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't his. It wasn't John Hamm's wife. It was somebody no, else. John Hamm's wife was that. Like, you know, <laughs> I gotta find out who that is. Yeah. Um. So, so to get back to the plot of this movie, basically, this guy he's given up on music. I don't even know how to pronounce her name, but Aza Aza Gonzalez. She's very attractive. Very attractive. Yeah. And and so is oh, Lily, yeah. and so is Lily James. I cannot say her name. Yeah, Lily There's James. She's L's very cute. There. Yes. This is the difference between like cute and hot. <laughs> Fair enough. I can break, break so, that down. Let me, I'm, I'm, I'm How, trying you to dissect that however you want. But yeah, go I'm try, ahead. I'm trying to get to the point of the, of the plot of the movie. So this guy, right. who's, who's, who, whose name is Hymish Patel, I don't want to, I finally Wikipedia this movie after rambling off the top of my head. You're just going to um, read us the synopsis on Wikipedia. No, so look, he's, he's a singer-songwriter, gives up on music, all the power goes out around the world. Right, so like stuff just starts to shut down, and as he's riding his bike, he gets hit by a bus. So he wakes up, he's in the hospital, and he starts making like references to Beatles songs. And everyone's like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Paul McCartney, John Lennon," and they're like, "We don't, we don't know who those people are." And so his friends give give him a guitar after he gets out of the hospital, and he sings the song "Yesterday" by the Beatles. And Ellie starts to cry and goes, that's the most beautiful song I've ever heard. And he's like, well, like, what do you mean? Like, that's Yesterday by the Beatles. <laughs> One of the most popular songs of all time. So yeah, I think you, you get where I'm going with this. Basically, he wakes up in a world after he gets hit by this bus where the Beatles never existed. So he starts going through, as I think naturally what you would do, is trying to remember every single Beatles song you can think of and basically trying to trying to use those songs to become as famous as the Beatles were. So that's all that's all I'm gonna leave it there. That's basically you could read that on the back of the on the back of a cover of this movie. So it's basically the world has forgotten the Beatles except for this guy. I thought this movie was great. I thought it was well done. Um it, it surprised me. The ending surprised me. 
it's one of those movies where you think like, oh, this can either get real awful or, you know, it could be kind of, you know, kind of an odd movie. And I thought the way that it ended was real wholesome. This is like the most wholesome thing I've watched in a very long time. <laughs> you left this movie being like, huh, look at this. A situation that could have been awful turned out all right for everybody. Everybody kind of wins here. This isn't so bad. Um, yeah, so yeah, it doesn't, I, yeah, it doesn't go in the direction that you no, expect it that to you go. Expect it to, and I feel like it doesn't really play its cards until like way later in the movie. Until like, it's basically oh, done, really. Yeah. Oh, it's about this? You're like, oh, yeah. okay. I'm like, I was kind of on board, kind of not. I, I wish they would have like kind of drilled the point, maybe at least alluded a little bit more from the beginning, but it was fine. No, it's it fine. Good. Like I said, I, I enjoyed it. Now, it was a I, feel-good movie, right? It was all right. Now, I it's, like that you're talking about this movie. Uh, are you familiar with the term versimilitude? No. What the heck okay, is versimilitude, that? Versimilitude is the appearance of being true or real. Basically, in literature, you would um, versimilitude is like keeping to the to the rules of your world that you're building, right? Yeah. Okay. That's what it means. So it's interesting that you bring up this movie because this is one of those examples. Because I, I actually had this thought while playing, and I'll talk about it later, Tales of Arise, right? That takes place in a fantasy universe. And it struck me when some when one of the characters says hell. And I was like, well, wait a minute. In this world, there is no hell, but they'll use a colloquialism that's based on our own English. So if you're going to use that colloquialism, that's based on the history that's happened in our world, not their world. Right. And then that took me out of it. So in the world of yesterday, in this scenario, how does it sit with you that because they make the joke with like, it's OK, it's no Coldplay, right? But Coldplay would not be a band that exists without the Beatles influence. So everything would be yeah. completely flipped upside down on its head. Now, obviously, there's there has to be that suspension of disbelief. But it's like, man, the fact that all these other bands exist and not the Beatles is where I was like, this concept is like just a little bit odd. Well, and then you'd also wonder yeah. if and then to take it one step further in the context of the movie. Are, would the Beatles still be the the greatest band of all time if their music came after everything that they inspired? Now, now look, now this is my problem with this because I've, I believe I've said this on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. I believe the Beatles are the most overrated group of all time. So then that raises the interesting question because in a world where there's been all this other music, if you brought the Beatles in later, like if Citizen Kane came out like you do now. the same thing. With, let's say Citizen Kane, right? Citizen Kane yeah. came out of movies. You, you like, remake Citizen Kane now, and everyone's like, what "You the don't hell remake is this? it. You literally just release the exact same movie, like it never existed, yeah. right?" And then you release that. Um, well, well, hold on. I would people... say no. You remake it because that, that's part of the plot of the movie. Is he doesn't remember all the words? Oh, right. Okay, true. but you 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 follow so the kind of he does of a bit of remixing and a bit of remaking to try to make trying to remember it. Yeah. And that's part of it, right? So, like, yeah, so like you, you remake it, but you know, you, you you change a few characters, a couple of lines aren't right, right? Like, whatever, it's a remake, but it's basically yeah. like it's basically like John Favreau remaking The Lion King. Yeah, it's like pretty much the same movie. He just used you know computer generated imagery instead right, but of the question hand drawn plan panels. But generally speaking, if it followed the same plot, you know, you had this, you had this whole thing, and let's just say it was, yeah, it was the exact, it, more or less the same movie, right? Would it still be received in the same as well as it was back then? I'd argue, probably not. And look, let's let's be honest, right? The Beatles and the Beatles will tell you this. Their biggest influence was blues music of the of the twenties and thirties and forties. 
right? Like the amount of the, the sound that they kind of, I don't want to say stole, because that's a little harsh, but it's true. Because they'll tell you that like they were, they were listening to old blues albums, right? Like Chuck Berry. I believe, I believe Paul McCartney and John Lennon said like Chuck Berry is the greatest musician that's ever lived. Because they basically took the, the band, style. The, and according, the, yeah. according to Wikipedia, the band's earliest influences include Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, Little Richard, and Chuck Berry. Yeah. During the Beatles yeah. co-residency with Little Richard at the Star Club in Hamburg from April to May 1962, he advised them on the proper technique for performing his songs. Of yeah. Presley, Lennon said, nothing, quote, nothing really affected me until I heard Elvis. If there hadn't been Elvis, there would not have been the Beatles. And quote, other early influences include Buddy Holly, Eddie Cochran, Roy Orbison, and the Everly Brothers. Yeah, so there you go. And again, the Everly Brothers, Everly Brothers, there's like the, you know, like you're talking about old blues music, right? Like you're talking, and again, I, I, I disagree the with Brothers. They are yeah. white. Yeah, but but again, but it's still old blues. I didn't say it was black music. It's blues music. I know, right? like I know. Heavily, I'm, just, I'm looking. It's all I'm heavily saying, influenced. Yeah. I I looked at this picture. You look at this picture. And tell me that's not the first thing that comes to your mind. <laughs> is that oh my god, these dudes are white. Like this is every stereotypical white dude from any like 30s, 40s era thing. Yeah. And look, and look, and a lot of this is, is, is a mayor is, you know, the British invasion of the British looking at American music and using that as their influence. Right. And think about the groups that came after, right? Like the beach boys, you know, um, all the rock and roll groups like sure they like you said they were influenced by the beatles but which one of these groups around that beatles time would have turned into what the beatles were and it could have been any of them and so yeah I, i'm kind of it's interesting because i didn't think about this at the time when i watched it i just kind of said well they're, they're timeless classics and the guy had enough of a modern day spin on them right and the fact that, that they play on this of like he's doing this by himself Right, that was a big right. part of this as well because Ed Sheeran pops up in this movie all over it, and the funny thing is, I'd never heard Ed Sheeran speak before. Like the fact that the music that that guy makes come out of comes out of his everything is an amazing thing to me, because he's just this real nerdy looking ginger dude who is killing it. Some and, say he's like a modern day um, Rick Astley. Yeah, it's weird. Right, very weird. He's a strange looking guy. No, but, nobody's ever said that. Just to be clear, no one's ever said. I mean, that. but but if you look at him, it would, you wouldn't be too surprised. Like, and again, Ed Sheeran. I mean, he made that song that he stole the that he stole from. I didn't steal it. That's wrong. I like he he sampled from that um, from the TLC No Scrubs song and turned that into the. I mean, that was the hit of 2018. That song was everywhere. What what's the name of that song? Shape of You. That song was everywhere. Yeah, Shape of You. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So so Ed Sheeran is a big deal. But like it was kind of playing on that of like this is one guy who's come up with all these songs and we all know obviously the Beatles are four guys you can argue that three of them did most of the work where Ringo kind of you know was Ringo he played wow. the drums oh my god talk shit he played the Ringo. drums Good guy. you Ringo need a drummer don't shit on the drummer don't shit he wasn't be nice he wasn't the he wasn't the first one that's the thing he wasn't the original drummer oh my god so anyways mm-hmm. look I, I like the movie I think you should I think if you're it's it's a role I would. Say it's a romantic comedy, definitely. It's a romantic comedy, absolutely. So, I think if you want to watch a romantic, if you want to watch something lighthearted, and you want to laugh, and you want to come out of there going, you know what, everything worked out, then I highly suggest that you watch this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's fluff. It's candy. You feel good. It's like you said, wholesome is the perfect way to describe this. Yeah, it's good. It's a wholesome movie. 
Mm-hmm. All righty. Yep. Um, next, I watched Together Together, mm-hmm. which is an Ed Helms joint. I don't know if Ed Helms makes joints, but this is what I'm calling it because he's the he only did, one. He I didn't direct it. Movie. Did he direct no, it? No, but it's but he's in it, so it's an Ed Helms joint. <laughs> oh, do you have to direct it to be it for it to be a joint? That's how I would. That I mean, okay, no, fair enough. That's fair how enough. I would call it a, a joint. Yeah, yeah. Like, so it's a Nicole Beckwith joint. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea who Nicole Beckwith is, but this is her joint. Okay, fair enough. It's a Nicole Beckwith joint. Um, how was it? So this movie, this movie is about Ed Helms has a surrogate because he wants a kid. It's kind of the opposite mm. of what you would normally think, where it's like it's a couple and the woman really wants a kid and they find this other person. So Ed Helms is a, he's a single guy by himself. And he, and he wants a kid. Movie. Oh, so, okay. So the movie starts with, with basically him and his surrogate, who was Patty Harrison, sitting across from each other and trying to figure out, like, how does this going to work, right? Like, we're not in a relationship, obviously. Like, I'm here to have your baby. I'm happy to have your baby, whatever. Um, and Ed Helms is he's kind of a nerdy, a nerdy guy who wants a kid. And so you can think of all those stereotypes of, you know, him not really knowing what he's doing, but he's also really interested to and really intrigued and reading all these books and asking all these questions. And the, the, the surrogate in this case is kind of like this. She's supposed to be like 28. And you're like, okay, I guess. Or no, she's supposed to be 26. And you're like, okay, I look 26, but all right. Um, wow. And so she's kind of got Rude. this real nonchalant thing about it. Like, she's like, well, I'm still, you know, I'm still having one night stands. I'm doing my thing, right? I'm, I'm just having your baby. Don't worry about it. And he's like, but what, what about this? What about that? What about the food you eat, right? It's that it's that old chestnut of a, <laughs> of a thing. <laughs> um, so this movie's okay. I would say if you're going to choose between romantic comedies, I'd pick Yesterday a thousand times over this. But this isn't bad. It's 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 a worthy watch if you're like half on your phone and you want to watch something that's lighthearted and also ends on a good note, ends on a positive note. And there's, you know, relationship that gets formed and all these things that happen. And it's a good it's a good watch. Um I give it a solid like like, you know, 3 out of 5 stars. It's fine. I wouldn't watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, if you're looking for a lighthearted romantic comedy, I say go for it. Okay. Fair enough. Is right. it uh Yeah. It's, would you say it's as wholesome as the other one? Probably not, right? Uh no, it's pretty close, but no. The yesterday is is cotton candy wholesome. This is like a bag of Skittles. Like you don't feel so gross after watching it. Like you don't feel like your teeth are gonna fall out, but it's still pretty sugary and syrupy. Wait a minute, hang on a second. You're telling me you'd have cotton candy over Cotton candy Skittles? to me is way sweeter than Skittles. Like a couple Skittles. Like, oh, like yeah. a little, like I a, thought like a little I thought you were bag. Okay, I thought you were saying that I'm like you'd rather have cotton candy than no 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 Skittles. I'm no I'm talking about this on the scale of sugarness. Okay, got it. I cotton see what you're candy saying. to me is just a ball of sugar. It's, a, it's pure sugar. Yep, you're right. Pure okay. sugar. I see what you're saying. I mean, Skittles I is There's pure some, sugar too, but yeah. yeah, but it's like it's got fruit in it. At least that's yeah. what I tell myself. All right, righty. Let's do bruised, bruised next. Yeah, bruised, okay, cool. yeah, bruised. <laughs> oh, Holly Berry. Holly Berry was Oscar hunting. <laughs> Now, this movie I apparently to, came out wait, in September 12, 2020. 2020. Like, this movie came out last year. I didn't even know that. It just came to Netflix, I think, like a couple couple weeks ago. Yeah, I need to... Um, I, I really want to try to find what you said to me um, when you were watching this movie because that was... Uh, let's see. Come on. I got to find this thing. <laughs> oh, man. This is annoying. Oh, here we go. Okay, so if I search here, all right, you said uh, watching Hallie get beat up on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> but should be free in an hour. 
Exactly. And then, yep. and then you said, yeah. yeah, could do. And then I said, all right, Holly is done. Let's do this. Yeah, let's play, let's go play some Halo. That's what happened. So, all right, Holly Berry, right? She's a she's a she's an MMA fighter. Um, I believe the movie it. starts with her in a fight where she tries to jump out of the ring, and she oh. tries to scale the scale the walls and jump out of the ring. So she's kind of a laughing stock, but she's from from Newark. She's this hard, hard driven alcoholic from Newark, who's also an MMA fighter. So this is the wrestler, but with Halle Berry, kind of, yeah. Um, and so she like can't even walk down the street without people being like, "Oh yeah, you you the girl that quit, you the girl that jumped out of the ring, right?" And so, um, you find out at some point during the movie as Holly Berry's kind of doing her Holly Berry thing, where she kind of looks rough, right? Because Holly Berry, right? She's she's trying to she's trying to look like she's their own. Her head's not shaved, but she's not the typical Holly Berry that you saw thirty years ago. She's just a hardworking woman from Newark who also gets punched in the face for a living. Mm-hmm. And so at some point finds out that she's got a that she's that you know her son that her her estranged husband slash baby daddy had taken custody of is now at her doorstep because the father has died. So now you oh. got this this woman who's an alcoholic, who's a real mess with this six year old who doesn't talk or seven year old who doesn't talk. He's mute. He just he just doesn't talk. They try to talk to him, the boy doesn't say anything. So Not that's rude. kind of the premise of this, right? Like she's trying to get back into one big fight. Right? She just, hey, I just need one more shot to get back in there and prove myself. One more shot. I'm not done yet. I want to keep fighting. And so that's kind of the, the theme of the movie. So again, she was Oscar Hunt because she also directed this movie. So she's director and the star. And there's lots of moments in there where she's, you know, hey, this is a redemption story. Trying to, you know, trying to become a good mother and trying to get back into the ring and trying to rebuild her life. Um, this movie's been panned. And I just say it's like it's it's it would have been better if she just directed it and wasn't in it. I think her being in it has made this a worse movie, to be honest. Like, I think the premise of it is fine. It's a topic that I would say you get a mixture of men and women who are interested in it because it's MMA. And I think you totally could have just picked somebody else to be the star of this thing and really just directed them and had them act the part. And it would have been fine. To me, Holly Berry is the part of this movie that seemed to detract from it uh, more than anything else. She was just a little too corny. All right. Do you and think, because uh, so you don't Berry think it's going to pay 50s, off, right? So you no, don't think it's going to no, pay no. off. You don't think you don't think she's going to get anything for this. No, I don't think she'll even be nominated. I'll be shocked if she's nominated for this. No, yeah. but she tried. She went for it. She did try. You know what? Good enough. I hope that she does it again. Um, but this I just, I just a, think this is a Halle yeah. Berry, Halle Berry joint. Yes, this is a Halle Berry joint. Yes, through and through. Um, yeah, where I think she could have gotten because she's kind of playing like, oh, you know, woman who's in her early forty. Like, come on, like we get it. You're in shape, Halle Berry, and we appreciate you. But like pull an Angelina Jolie, like be behind the camera and get some young star to really come out there and, you know, take your reins and learn how to be an actress or an actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I give that one like a two and a half out of five. I would say watch it if you're bored. <laughs> Put it on the box. Watch it if yeah. you're bored. Watch it if you're bored. All righty. Now, the last movie that I've watched, I've watched this recently. The Last Duel. We talked about this movie. This yeah. is a Ridley Scott joint. Yes, it is. And Ridley Scott blamed the failure of this movie in the box office to all you millennials and your stupid phones. Yep. Right? Because you don't have the attention span to watch quality film and epic and historical. Again, I just, anytime the word millennial comes up, I need to clarify that he's probably not thinking of actual millennials. No. 
Like, is he really no. thinking of people that are like in their thirties? Five people like me <laughs> yeah. who watched this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or so, me who didn't watch it, not because I was on my phone, but because I didn't want to. So look, this, this movie is a real, it's about a real story. It's a medieval, it's about medieval France. And Jean Carreau, who is Matt Damon's character, has a has a friend and a squire who's Jacques Legris, who's Adam Driver. And there's also Jean Carreau's wife. Yes. It's a good American story. Oh, very American. Marguerite, right? Who's played by Joni Kona. And so this is told Mar- by from their three. Yeah. Marguerite, I believe is how you pronounce it. Marguerite. Marge. So there's so there's there's three this is one of those things where it's like you're gonna find the same event that happens through three different perspectives. Oh, so okay. you kind of go through the same timeline, but you do it three times with three different characters. And so I I don't want to s- real quick, like give this like five minutes, like fast forward through this, like five minutes, and I promise we'll be done. Because I, I I just want to give the premise. It might be a spoiler, but I, I it's not. It's, it's not going to li- tell you what happens. The premise is the is in the trailer. If you watch right, the but, trailer, but I, but I just want right. Is. But I just want to make sure, right? So basically, this story is Marguerite accuses Jacques Legris of rape. And so Jean Carreau takes him to court. And the way that this worked back in medieval France is in order to figure out who was right and who is not lying, there was a duel. And God would decide that the winner of this duel is the one telling the truth. So that's the premise of the movie, right? So Jean Carreau is having a duel with Jacques Legris over the rape of Marguerite. That's the mm-hmm. movie. I love this movie. This movie is excellent. This movie hit all of the strings. The action in this movie was awesome. Like, the duel that actually happens was great. I was all in at this movie about two hours and two hours and like ten minutes in. And it was awesome. Yeah. The story was riveting and gripping, and I thought each of the characters, I mean, Matt Damon is Matt Damon, but I thought he did a decent job for trying to not be Matt Damon. Ben Affleck's in this as well. I thought this movie was great. I thought it was really well done. And maybe it's because I went into this with such low expectations, being like, oh, everyone hates this movie because really Scott's an old man who hates millennials. But I really liked the movie. I thought it was good. Critical reception was good. People liked the movie. Yeah. I Just thought nobody it was good. It. I thought it was good. And again, some of the scenes in it are rough. Like, they're rough. Not a big fan of seeing some of these things on film, but I thought it was good. And I would yeah. say I started watching this. Alice came in, and then she actually ended up finishing it. It's historical drama. She didn't like historical dramas. And we're sitting there watching this, and she was riveted by it. So I would say, if you get a chance to see this movie, I would like to see this movie in the movie theater, actually. Watch it at home. And I feel bad, because I wasn't on my phone. But I watched it from home. I might as well have watched it on my phone, according to Ridley Scott, with how big my TV is or isn't. <laughs> yeah. It's too small. So yeah, I, you didn't I give like him twenty bucks. It. it 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 bombed at the box office. It did terrible. Had a yep. big budget. Yep. And only and it, it only made like twenty million, twenty, thirty million, made no money. Yeah. Thirty. Thirty point six. Yeah. So yeah, I I think this movie is maybe needed to be made ten years ago. <laughs> I think it's just made or, at a time when no one no one cares about this. Or it needed to come out at a less you know, busy time. I think. Well, um, well, look, and I mean, and look, it plays on some of the Me Too themes, right? Of like believing women 
it plays on a lot of those types of modern things that we talk about where you go, hmm, medieval France was rough for women, right? And you're like, yeah, no, no mess. Like, you know, modern day America is tough for women. <laughs> so it's like, it's sometimes I think it kind of hits you over the head with this. Um, but I personally was like, yeah, it's good. Cause I'm sure that living as a woman in, in when was this, what century was this? It's had to be what? 13th century France. Hmm. Guessing. Cause it's based off a of book I'm trying to find the time 1386. So that's 14th century. 14th century France about knights and their ownership of women and who has the right to this and how do we decide if a woman's telling the truth we got to fight each other like some of this stuff right yeah it makes sense um yeah so again i kind of want to read this book um the book seems to be very good um but yeah now it's been made off of this this movie so yeah but i, I, just I don't like think people care good. about i think it's like the time period too like you can't that's what i mean it's can't just, put it's a hundred you can't yeah, yeah, you can't put a hundred million dollars into a movie like this anymore. And I don't yeah. even think it's a matter of time. I, I think that it's also like look at King Arthur. This is a bad bet, but I also think the movie was made like years ago. Like this thing was yes. probably ready to go. It was delayed, right? So yes. yeah. you look at the failure of that King Arthur movie, which I enjoyed. I thought that was fun. Then the failure of this movie. And the failure, like not even the failure, but I'd say the more reasonable, like the Green Knight. That's probably where you want to keep your budget at. Like A24 doesn't miss. And the That's, Green Knight, you've seen the Green and the Knight. Budget, right? The budget of the Green Knight of the Green Knight was 15 million. Right. And you've seen that and movie, right? I have not. I heard it's, it's awesome. I, I want to see it. I'll, I'll see it. It's awesome. But, um, it's better than this. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. But it's also so they, a bit more of a it's a tale of a man on a like it's not so much this hits you over the head with like medieval like dances and outfits and things. And I, I just think I just think people don't like you're not going to win movies unless it's about modern day enough. Right. Like you need to do like some Queen Elizabeth thing. Like it's got to be like something that's not like people are walking around on horses on horseback and yeah. with swords. Like it just doesn't like unless there's a dragon that's going to pop up and start kicking ass. No one wants to watch this stuff because that's Game yeah. of Thrones. Then, right. It's basically Game of Thrones without a, without a dragon and mystical zombies. And everyone's let like, me, oh, I've seen this. Let me posit an explanation that is probably more realistic it goes back to my point about the budget right green knight 15 million dollar budget box office made 18.9 million is that a failure no is it is it great no but you know all things considered pandemic minimal marketing it's a it's a movie that is that that has an audience and it'll probably make it'll probably make it a profit over the long run right like at this point it's made its money back and it'll have a long tail because everybody loves it and it'll have a it'll have a good um good tale but the last duel is a hundred million dollars right and why is it a hundred million dollars because well one ridley scott's probably not cheap um you got matt you got adam driver you got ben affleck for some reason you got i whoever whoever else is in this thing and you expect these guys to be the sadly enough are gonna bring you into this movie yeah and, and sadly enough, the the woman who played Jody Jody Comer, I thought was the best actress in this thing. I think she's on yeah. she's on Killing Eve, like sure. she's on a TV show. She's probably she's probably the cheapest one out of all of them, and she probably did the she was in Free Guy. She was oh, the, okay. She she was the main woman in Free Guy, I believe. Oh, so okay. again, like Got she's it. like again, so, she's fairly new, and she's getting into this with her career. 
But again, like it's a shame that you probably spent all your money on Ben Affleck and Matt Damon. Is yeah. what you spent so your that's, money. So that's kind of what I'm getting at here is that like the way you sell a movie now, people don't care about these guys, these stars, no, the way they used not to. Not I them. Mean, look at all right? these money. Look at all these movies that make bank. They don't put give Timothy, a shit about put, big put old Timothy actors. in there. Put Timothy yeah. in there. Got a hit. You're going to make more if you get yeah. him in there just because him alone has a draw to, Not to, to a more fair, wide range of people. Adam, but even Adam then. Driver was, Adam Driver was fine, right? Adam Driver, he's got, a, he's got enough. He's trying to make a shift from just being the Star Wars dude. It's overload. Overload with Adam Driver. You think it's too much Adam Driver. Yeah. Okay. Too much Adam Driver. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's too much. It's too much. Yeah. But I also think that you're also spending extra money on a guy who's not going to pull in. He's not going to pull in a hundred million dollars worth of people. No, he, he needs to be none paired of these with guys. Else. None yeah. of these guys are going to pull in that much. Like even unless you put the rock in Kevin Hart, like these are the guys that have audiences, but they just don't fit. You can't, if you're going to make this movie, you can't make it for a hundred million dollars. They have no one to blame but themselves for the yeah, I mean, failed. When they you spend, look at every big yeah, budget, a lot of money. box office bomb, that that is trying to do the same thing that's trying to make this medieval epic because i can't think of one that actually was successful with a budget this high it's I mean, a big what, budget you could talk about gladiator that wasn't that wasn't medieval but that was also something new people haven't and, and seen I would that say that before. was at a time as well where like we hadn't had that in a while like there was a time where it was all about rome Right, ancient Rome, Spartacus, and and the TV shows, and you know, three hundred. Right, we had that time where like Roman having guys talking about we'll fight in the shade, and you know, slow motion, you know, swords and kicking people in the throat was awesome. Right, and then that well, died that like ten years later. That was like ten no, years. That, no, but that's, that's my. I don't think was it ten years between Gladiator and and three hundred. Gladiator was, was two thousand three hundred. Was, was two thousand six. Okay, six years. Six years. Okay, but still, right? Like that's a good period of time. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that like Game of Thrones ate all of that time for this medieval. I, I know Game of Thrones takes place in a different universe, but let's be honest, it's a story about medieval. Yeah, like war between different groups of people of who's right to the throne. Like that's literally the premise of the movie. And this has nothing to do with so much, but it's got kings in it. Like Matt, or um, you know, Ben Affleck is kind of a king who owns a bunch of estate, and they're in France, and it's but they still sound like they're in England. Like it's just kind of, it's just it's fine. And I get, I enjoyed it. I'm saying this is someone who enjoyed watching it. Yeah, I'm, but I'm not with talking you 100%. about this movie. This movie should have been made for fifty million. Yeah, yeah, it didn't exactly. need to be made for a hundred million. Where did you spend put more that money into marketing? Million? Put more they, money into marketing. Like they got, they got hit over the yeah. head with marketing because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Plus, people don't like Matt Damon anymore. I guess they're pissed about him for some reason. I don't know why. Well, well look, and I, I just think that the topic again, like I, I don't want to, I don't want to say this as if Me Too is some topic that you need to pounce on and then we forget about it. But this, this movie has a lot of those themes into it about the treatment of women historically. That I think at this point we're just like, okay, great. So you got Matt Damon and you got Ben Affleck, and we've got this, you know, we've got this idea of rape that happens and the believability of women who are assaulted and all these things. And it just doesn't hit the same, I think, to a general audience, unfortunately. I think if we end up doing that stuff a little too, we do it in a way that just doesn't that doesn't spark the further conversation. Right? I think people at this point are like, great, yes, we get it. People are mistreated, women are mistreated, women are assaulted. What's next? And this yeah. thing is like, well, great. What's next is Matt Damon and Adam Driver are going to have an epic duel. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm here for the duel, but nobody else is. 
because I will just say that the dual part of this movie is the best part. I think you can just watch that. And that's so I'm like, that's the Ridley Scott that I remember. The guy that makes awesome action movies. That guy. And, you know, it had to come with two hours and 15 minutes of Ben Affleck having, you know, weird, weird, you know, parties and things. Like, it just came and came with Ben Affleck. It came with Matt Damon. It came with all this other crap I didn't really need. And I don't think the modern audience really wanted it, right? So. I want you to... Um... I want you to watch House of Gucci next and tell me yes, I want to watch next this time movie. which which is a better Ridley Scott joint. Because it's got it's got Gaga in it, right? Gaga is in It's got House Gaga, that's right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, man, Ridley, Ridley Scott is just an odd director, man. That guy is like hit or miss. Yeah. He's always it's his movies are always entertaining though. Even if they're bad. Yeah. I mean, I so, guess there was that um what was that movie? Gods and gods and monsters. Didn't he make that piece of shit? Gods and Kings Exodus. Gods, gods and, and Kings. Kings. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. That movie is terrible. That was, and the worst thing about that movie is that's what he de- dedicated to his brother, Tony Scott, because oh, yeah, he died just right. before that. It's like, yeah, you could have, you could have waited. Yeah. You could have waited. You knew what was coming, man. Like, yeah, like the Martian was in, was two years or like was next was the following year. That's crazy. He went from I mean, making I used, he like, went from making Exodus Gods and Kings to making the comedy slash musical Golden Globe winner The Martian. <laughs> <laughs> Again, really, like you said, really Scott's a strange dude because I always forget that he made uh, he made that Denzel movie American Gangster. Yeah, like he's just if you look, I mean, look, I mean, if you don't, if you know he anything, did the Robin Hood movie with uh, with Russell Crowe. Yeah, like he's just done. He's done movie. He's done some of my favorite movies, like Blade Runner. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, Black Hawk Down, love that movie. Great movie. Great movie. He's done a ton of stuff, and every once in a while, he just kind of comes out with one of these. And you're just like, why are you doing this? <laughs> it's like, what made you decide to do this? And I guess he decided to get uh, indignant about it. You know. So, like, the guy that made Alien and Blade Runner is making this, and you're just like, okay, it's fine, and I personally enjoyed it, but, yeah, he just kind of keeps getting into these weird, like, because, I, oh, yeah, I'm looking at his IMDb now, and he made that All the Money in the World movie where they had to, you know, scrub, where they had yeah. to scrub, uh, oh, what's his name out of it and put Christopher Plummer in. Kevin Spacey, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, it's just, he's got a weird, his resume is odd. It's weird, it's a very odd resume, and he gets stuck on people. And then he then he moves on. So yeah, this, yeah, he's got this is repaying. He's, yeah, this is replaying Matt Damon for being the Martian. Thanks. But most directors do that. Like uh, David O'Russo or David O'Russell is that the guy's name? The guy who did um, what was that movie? He's like he who always has Jennifer Lawrence in all of his movies and Bradley Cooper yes. in all his movies now. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you get dude. your favorites. You like working with them, and you call them back. It's easy. I don't blame him. Neither do I. Don't blame him. I don't want to work with those people. Um. Well, all right. So uh, last That's duel. Recommend list. it. Yes, I recommend that you watch it. Yes, it's it's a hard watch at times, but it's good. All right, unseen TV. I'm sure what you were talking about was um, Cobra Kai season four. Yes, which is now I out. will watch that. Yes, it is out. Came Me out on too. New Year's Eve, right? Uh, yeah. No, it came out New Year's Day. New Year's Day. Okay, so Cobra and Kai season a... four. The show. Yeah. It shows one of those things that is. It's it's kind of it's on the level of surprise as Ted Lasso was. Where you're like, oh, okay, I'll watch it. And then you're like, oh, wow, this is really good. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's really. So yeah, uh, it's so really I'm gonna great. I'm gonna dive into this. I'm gonna watch this over the next couple of days. Um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, so, um, I believe this season takes off where um, Ralph Macchio. That'll, Ralph that'll Macchio all the other has stuff. no. I'm just saying it. It ends the season where Ralph Macchio's back in the game. He's back in it. He's teaching karate again, and not just to his daughter and that weird kid with the hair. He's teaching it Talk to about, everybody, right? I, th- no, I think that's I can't where even it say ends. The, I can't. I can't spoil it because if anybody hasn't seen the other three seasons, to say where it starts is to just spoil everything that comes before it. Oh no, there's no, a no. lot of Se- no. I, what, no, what I just said is a spoiler for season two going into season three i just looked at the poster for this and i was like oh yeah that's what happened there's a, there's a little team up action the, that the biggest thing about season. season four is that the is that it officially canonizes the karate kid three yes by yes, bringing in absolutely. terry silver and yeah. that <laughs> is what it's all about and i am just waiting i am oh, waiting yeah. i just looked at this poster find, and i was like oh wow this is gonna be ridiculous i'm in i I'm i am waiting for them to find some way to bring in hillary swank into this universe like they have to they have to at some point they have well, to no, make that canon no if you, if you, if you really want to make this canon you've got to bring in jaden smith no 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 yes. no that's completely yes. different universe completely no, different no no that no, no that's this is how you this is how you bring it together jaden smith has to make an appearance he's got to show up guess we'll we'll see we'll i think see. they said that's not going to happen but i, I don't and, think it I, will happen but we'll see I don't think that's you in never the same know. universe. Will, Will Smith universe. has a lot of pool. Oh, yeah, here's the, here's the reason though, because uh, Miyagi was um, it was the same guy uh, in Karate in the next Karate Kid. I mean, would you not be here for Will Smith and Jaden Smith to have their own dojo? That's well, in sure. like, Compton, <laughs> oh. right? Like, let's just let's just lean into the stereotypes, right? These kids are like somewhere fancy in L.A. Just get uh, some yeah. black kids from Compton who are like. And all of a sudden, it's Will Smith, and it's Jane Smith, and they got a karate school. I'd you'd watch that. I'd watch it. <laughs> um, and everyone's like, "Who's this third school?" And there you go, season five. Wow, it's a bold, it's a bold outlook. We'll see. It's we'll a see. Bold outlook. Out. It's a bold move. Let's see what happens. I don't think. So, it, yeah, anyways, I don't think it's. Yes. I don't think it's going to happen. But yeah, that's we'll what I was see. talking about. That's the show. It's time to get time to get back into it. So I'll get back into it. We'll talk about it on uh, one of these podcasts coming up. Yeah, I'll try to watch it this week. I think uh, I think my lunch is going to just be watching uh, watching some uh, Cobra Kai. That's my plan. It's a very big plan. Oh, did you watch uh, the Book of Boba Fett? I've not first episode. I've not watched the Book of Boba Fett. I've not watched Hawkeye. I've not watched anything that's on Disney Plus. I watched the Book of Boba Fett. It is more Mandalorian, which is cool. I'm not going to oh, complain cool. about okay. that. It was even written. It was also written by John Favreau. Okay, fair enough. You know, who didn't write it by Robert Rodriguez? Was it? Pretty wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he directed uh, the book of Boba Fett, the first episode. So you know, well shot, fun, fine, slow burn, takes its time, which I like. You know, it's not rushing into some stuff. It it clarifies what happened between, um, or at least part of what's happened between, um, Boba Fett being swallowed by the giant snake monster in. Return of the Jedi. Scarlack Pit, right? Yeah. And whatever happened in Mandalorian when he showed up. So, you know, that was that was cool to see and a little gross. Um, but yeah, it's it's more Star Wars. I'm not I'm not gonna complain about that. Especially I like I like that universe. I like the I like this the Favreau verse, you know? 
John Favreau doesn't mess around. That dude makes some good he stuff. Doesn't. He, 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 he doesn't miss. He does good quality film. He does. You want to talk about wholesome? You want to talk about great. wholesome quality? Just going back, complete left turn here. Chef probably might be one of my favorite movies of all time. Like Chef's that a movie, great movie is so good. So it's just pure uplifting. All the yeah, bad look, stuff happens out. in the first 15 minutes of that movie. Yeah. And then it's all upswing and positivity throughout. So it's look, great. shout out, shout out to my friend Caesar, who is the creator of the One Second Every Day app that is used in that movie. That movie is now, I believe, in the top five of the app store for New Year's. So shout out to Caesar. That's amazing. It is it's amazing. It's crazy. <laughs> I remember when he told us. I was like, oh wow, that's that's nuts. So yeah, still going strong 10 years later. That's amazing. Very cool. All right. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about some video game stuff. Now, before I get into the specific nerdy stuff, um, I want to go on a bit of a rant here. Is it a rant? I don't know. It's just going to kind of be stream of consciousness of some things I was thinking of. I just finished Tales of Arise. The game took me about fifty five hours to beat, and I know because I was very because I was very meticulous about stopping this clock. Now, this is made by the same. It's made by Bandai Namco. It's um, same company that put out Scarlet Nexus, which I also played earlier this year. Now, Scarlet Nexus, when you pause the game, you hit the home button, it stops the clock. This game, impossible to stop the clock unless you close the game. So I was constantly saved. Like if I went to the bathroom, I would save, go to the bathroom, load, come back, load the save. That's how meticulous I was about keeping the clock. I don't know why, but when I see these in-game clocks... (laughs) I, I, when I see these in-game clocks, I'm just like, well, I want to know exactly how long I played this game. I don't want, I don't want any inflation thing. I don't want that to say 100 hours at the end because that's a lie. When I got up to make my matcha, you know, you're adding five minutes to the clock when it clearly wasn't five minutes of me playing the game. Um, it drives me crazy as well, where there's some Switch games that'll actually count even while the console's in sleep mode, and that drives me crazy. I will also um, give up on a game. Pretty, I, I'm not going to say give up, but I will deduct a substantial amount of points from my mental grading system if if that's the case anyway 55 hours i put into this game and the only reason i got through it as fast as i did is because i was off this week and i played the hell out of this game i loved this game this game might be my favorite experience of the year i love the characters i love the story i love the world it was so much fun to play the battle system was great the payoff was great um yeah i just i i loved it it was so much fun for, for a and guy, for a guy who doesn't watch much anime, you sure do play a lot of anime games. <laughs> I know we've talked about this before. It's very it's crazy. Strange. It's crazy, and I also like that it actually has payoff where a lot of these other anime style games don't. Where I'm just like, well, why didn't they just say that thing? And then here it's like, oh, good. It's like it's not like this. This is probably one of the better more cohesive stories and character arcs in the game there's only like a cast of six which doesn't sound like which may sound like a lot but for an rpg where you could have a lot more in the in the party it's like very manageable especially since you have four players simultaneously so there's only like two in the wings all the characters are great the story is great it's gorgeous i talked about how much i love it last last week and i still love it but 55 hours into the game looking at all the game of the year lists and thinking about it and wondering, is Game of the Year the dumbest concept that could possibly exist for the How media? so? How so? Well, let me explain. This game was 55 hours. Mm-hmm. Okay? Long to time. call... Who is coming up with a consensus 
of game of the year. And just thinking about the time investment it takes to play a lot of games. Once you throw in a 55 hour game like this, then you throw in another 55 hour game. Like I'm looking, if I pull out some of these RPGs I've played over the years, Persona 5 Strikers, pretty close to 55 hours. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise, we put in a shit ton of time into that earlier this year. Um, Returnal, a lot of time, but not quite that long. That's probably more like 20 hours. Um, the World Ends With You, Neil, The World Ends With You, that was about 40 hours. You're adding up so much time. And this is me playing RPGs. So I'll get in a lot of smaller stuff in between, but there's a lot of stuff that just gets left on the chopping, that gets left on the cutting room floor just because there is only so much time in a day. Even if it's your career to play games, you're not going to play all the games, let alone all the quality games. Like Persona 5 is a hundred hour game if you play it through to completion. No one, not everybody's playing through that game because if you play that game, that's literally a month. If you play three hours a day, of that game, you're taking over a month to play. And that's an unreasonable ask of anybody to play that game three hours a day. I mean, it's great. Well, you can hold do on it for a second, but it's also a lot of time. Yeah. I guess the whole, the whole, the whole thing that will decide this for me at mm-hmm. least is, do you need to finish the game in order to make the call that it's the game of the year for you? It seems like you're headed towards, you need to beat this thing to completion. I think if you don't, if you play it and you don't beat it, through to completion, then you're not really at the point where you can judge its overall quality. Because something could, you know, how many hours of it do you play then? Because if you play game 50 of the hours year of isn't Persona necessarily, 5, I would say it depends on what your qualification of game of the year is. Because it's not, I would say best, story is a part of it. It would be the right? best complete package overall. So best story, now, also, best gameplay, best graphics. It's all of that, right? Versus a movie tends yeah. to be story right what wins best movie of the year tends to be story right that's why that's story, why you, you know characters yeah yeah it's stuff. story and characters not so much the way that it ends filming as well acting, but not nearly as acting. much right it's it's a lot Tech, more yeah. it's not so much a tech award as it is a who put something together with all of the pieces that makes it movie of the year because there's awards for best director there's awards for best cinematographer there's awards for those specific things but I would say best picture is a bit of everything. It's everything done to a quality level. And I would say you can judge that on a game without beating it to completion. But here, yeah, I, to not an just extent, story, right? Like best right, story of the year is its own But that's the thing. You can, right? you can have a gameplay, you could have gameplay issues that come around at the end, right? Like I seriously, I, I, can, can you give I me an challenge, example? Yeah, I, I guess will challenge that's my question. the balancing Halo, yeah. Halo single player. I will challenge the balancing of that game's last fight because that is a game that actually put me through, you know, put me through some effort playing through heroic on that game. And in the last level, like you, I spend an hour trying to do the last third of this last fight just feels the balancing felt completely broken. Hmm. Like I, considering none of the other none of the game felt like that up until that point. Yeah, I'm going to deduct some points for that because you at that point, you're disrespecting me. You're disrespecting the player at the end. Um, but the game itself was still excellent. Like it was still great. And as a cohesive package, it's still great. But you could say Persona 5, right? If the first 50 hours of the game were awesome, then you're like, I put 50 hours into this game. I could clearly tell that this game is excellent, right? Well, if the next 50 hours of the game suck because balancing issues enter the equation, it disrespects the player's time. And it's not 50 hours because 
it gives you 50 hours of content, but it makes you grind for 10 hours at a time to get to those next levels. But, but I think well, that's the point, though, right? Say, that hey, would, that's a problem. But I guess that's my point, though, right? Like, if it does, like, if you can't finish the game because of those mechanical issues, that's one thing. But if you can't finish the game because you're just like, I really want to finish this and I just didn't have the time because it's so long. And, right. you know, I'll finish it when I get a chance. But to me, this is still the game of the year. It's the best game I've played. I haven't been able to finish it because I don't have the time. But right now, out of everything else I've played, this is it. Yeah. So, so as a... Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one. I, 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 right. I get so what you're saying. Yeah, but it's so tough. So what I'd say is that when I see people, what I do like is personal lists. I like seeing people say, well, what's the best game I've played this year? But I guess yeah. where I have more issues with are like consensus, where... It's group it's consensus because, because your barrier, games. your barrier is so much higher, especially when you bring in live services. If you're someone who plays Destiny 2 for two hours a day, right? Because that's what you need to do. That's your game, right? Well, then you're all of a sudden taking that time out of the equation because now you're not going to, that's time taken away to play actual games that came out this year. So if you're going to call a game of the year something else, you're not going to play that long RPG. So by default, you're taking every RPG off the table to ever win game of the year, unless it's more of a 20 hour experience where you can get a large swell of a, of the critical consensus involved to say that, yes, that's the best one this year. It takes two one game of the year this year at the game awards. Why? Yeah. Maybe because that game was 10 hours long and it required two Might people be. to play it. Might and be. it was and also look, a great I, I game. S- I'm not trying to take yeah. away from the quality of games that won. I'm more trying to say that it kind of disrespects a lot of games that should be each that should be in the running that don't well, get look, let's be, because, but let's be because honest. they demand so much of, of the players. But let's be honest too as well, Better especially with games, a lot of it is cultural as well. Right? right? Like a lot of people would say like Animal Crossing is a game. Pretty you know, like out of all the Animal Crossing games, it's probably one of the weaker ones, right? Like the stuff you can do is less, et cetera, et cetera. But that game hit a cultural impasse at the time. Where a bunch of people who normally weren't going to play this game were playing this game because it was the pandemic and all these things that happened, right? That game was up for running for game of the year, I believe. And I would argue that's not even nearly the best Animal Crossing that's ever been created. Not even close. But with games, cultural has a lot to do with it. Being at the right time with the right people and having the right groundswell of people wanting to play your game matters more than it does necessarily movies, right? Like, sure, I'm sure there's plenty of topical movies that hit at the right time that when movie of the year, when you're like, wow, that really hit a, that really hit a nerve, but not, not nearly the way that video games do because you can get a, grounds, a groundswell of everyone buying a game because it's just, you have to play this game. You have to play this thing. You've got to dive into the, into it. I would say Hades was like that, right? We've known that Supergiant makes really awesome games for a long time. I would say that Hades had a groundswell that made that game into the running into a bunch of awards because he wasn't oh, yeah. great. Yes, 100%. That game is still one of the best games I've played in a long time. Now, it's amazing. Right? Mm-hmm. It's awesome. But also, I think that game got people to play Supergiant games that were like, oh, I've heard of Bash, but I've never played it. And wow, this is, you know, people who wouldn't normally play these indie games dove into this one because it was talked about and it had this big cultural swell around it. So yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Game of the year is hard. It's a hard yeah. category. And a lot of times you're right. It's just like, well, who's, the, it makes you wonder like, are you just paying people to give you an award? Like what really judges game of the year? Cause it's so subjective. Um, yeah. I just don't necessarily know if I would consider finishing it a requirement. 
I guess that's Yeah, and I guess it could be different depending, you know, finishing as a requirement is interesting because a multiplayer game, for example, you don't finish you it. You can't really finish, right? right? You play so it till you so to don't say play it anymore. It's a blank yeah. requirement. But there's interesting categories. Like you talk about music, right? Best music in a game. Yeah. All of a sudden, these games that have excellent soundtracks that are in a genre that people don't play, they're not just listening to all the music. They're like, well, this is the best thing from my experience with the time that they have. So it just kind of ripples down the board uh, because... You know, I look at Paradise Killer. Paradise Killer has my favorite soundtrack of any of any game that I've played in the, probably in the last decade, right? It's it's awesome. And that's a pretty niche title um that most people haven't played. But the fact that no people aren't going to play that and then they're not going to hear that music, so then that's not going to be on the table is is a shame for the kudos that that game should get for for its soundtrack. Now that appeals to my taste. It, and that's something that's more subjective than that's more objective. Wait, subjective, subjective. Yeah. Than anything else than probably any other category. Right. But there are certain barriers like Xenoblade Chronicles 2. Another example of that. That game is ridiculous. Like that that game is absolutely absurd from its uh, from its presentation. It's a great RPG visually. It's um, its character design is bananas, like anime as hell. Um, But the soundtrack is incredible. In fact, they didn't get any love for its soundtrack when it really needed to. People that reviewed it. We'll say this game's excellent and the and the soundtrack is a real standout, but there's never that thing where you're circling around albums being like, you got to listen to this because it's great, <laughs> you know, um, and then some stuff just gets kind of lost, fell through the cracks. And when the conversation moves on, the prospect of going back and playing a game, let alone one that's going to demand 40, 50 or more hours of your time is just unreasonable. Hmm. So. And then because so much content comes out, it just piles on again and again and again and again. So you can't even do it like the Oscars where it's like, ah, hey, you do it in February, then you could catch up. It's like, no, yeah. stuff is always coming out and there's always good stuff coming out. Yeah. So the idea of a game of the year award by like a collective of people is always bound to be flawed with games because of how much time it demands and that's not even taking into account preferences right like someone who says well i don't like real-time strategy games i don't like tactics games i don't like first-person shooters or i'm hell i'm not even good at first-person shooters right like this this is something that someone could say or take a position of where all of a sudden that isolates them so is that accessibility fair to remove that from the equation and you could probably draw some corollaries to to movies as well right like how often yeah, I, I, I was gonna say look i was gonna say for everything that everything that you just described is the same with film i would just yeah. say the time requirement is maybe the difference and i would still argue that's the biggest movies. difference but at the same time though, i would say there's enough movies where the time requirement becomes a sticking point there too like again mm-hmm. I, I would say this as knowing as someone who knows quite a few people who are part of the academy and you know judge different things in the academy the number of times I've heard, like, I haven't really watched most of these. And, you know, they send them to us and my kid watched them. My kid really liked this one. So that's the one I'm going to go for is high. Yeah. Right. Because it is. Because it's like, hey, I don't, I don't have time to watch best animated film or whatever. Right. Like, I don't have time to watch all these movies. I'm busy. So my kid loves all these animated films. And they said that, you know, Encanto is the one to, is the one to, to vote for this year. So I'm going to vote for that. One. I'm not going to take my time watching a bunch of animated movies. I'm just going to listen to my kid. That happens right. more often than not with everything. And so yeah. it's no different here. But yes, I would say you've got a better chance of seeing every single movie on the Oscar list than you do playing every single game on all the different categories for game awards. You just do. The biggest 
the um, the probably the best corollary, the closest thing to this would be TV because TV demands so much, and there's so there there might be even more TV now than movies coming out, but I don't know if that's yeah. true. Um, but basically, if you take again, take the example of Tales of Arise, right? Fifty five hours, you could watch at least twenty movies in that span. Yep. You could watch, you know that, but TV shows you probably only watch five seasons, maybe depending on how how many episodes you're talking about. So yeah, and they usually and you go have to by stay like on a single episode. Well, right, it's like this isn't yeah. a yeah, like and usually when they submit things for TV, like the Emmys, isn't that is don't they usually go by a single episode, not really the entire yeah, they, season? Yeah, you normally submit an episode for like this is the episode we're going for best actor, right? On. Like you send to submit it, but again, but you also have people who watch that one episode, and you have people who who are fans of the series who go, of course, you know, if I compare this mm-hmm. to the first four seasons, this season is when it really turned the corner. Like I feel like Breaking Bad was that way, right? The first two seasons of Breaking Bad for me were not nearly as strong as the third and the fourth season. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a lot of people get into the show late and maybe watch an episode that goes, I have no idea what this is really about. But man, uh, Brian Cranston, really, that episode was great. And other people go, man, this show's really transformed over the last year, over the last two seasons. And now it's something that's really worth watching. So, yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. But again, awards in general, it's a small committee of people. And I by I say that, I mean, it might be 100, 200, 300, 1,000 people, but it's a small enough committee where it's not really the general consensus of what people like the most. It's uh, based on this committee's rules and regulations. This is the move. This is the game that's been voted for game of the year or whatever. Yeah, I, I just wonder in games specifically, given how many categories there are, if they should even have a game of the year. Yeah, I'd say no. Yeah, I'd say like probably just go not. by the categories, like win, winning best RPG. Mm-hmm. Or winning best first-person shooter. Like, winning best first-person shooter, that's a huge category of games that comes out every yeah. year. Winning that award yeah. should kind of be enough. You don't need to win that and game of the year because you most likely won't win game of the year, right? Being a, being a first-person shooter, multiplayer, free-to-play online game. Fortnite's never won game of the year. Never will. Yeah, I think I think that's the way to... Um, that is probably the best way to do it is get rid of the game of the year category and focus instead on the on the categories themselves. So you are comparing to apples to apples and you know that the people that are giving those genres the time that they deserve are the ones who are actually getting accordingly and nothing really feels shortchanged because it's not even in a nomination list yeah. or you do what the Oscars do and make a nomination list that goes for, that goes for miles. And <laughs> it's like, well, we expanded from five to 10 or guess what? We got 15 nominations here because that's how many of these independent editors said this is, this deserves to be on the list. Like I'm one where somebody said, I was listening to a podcast earlier that they said, oh, Psychonauts 2, it didn't get, or no, Ratchet and Clank, it didn't get anything. I'm like, it was nominated for Game of the Year. It was one of five games nominated for Game of the Year. That is a hell of an honor for that game, let alone winning. Like it doesn't need to necessarily win the award. Just being there. Yeah. Is, a, is a hell of an honor. So, But for a lot of people, I'm sure, like, you know, as you know better than most, there's a lot of incentives built in for games, for winning things and being certain percentages and things. Games is an interesting thing oh, compared sure. to yeah. film and possibly even television where you can work on a TV show and, you know, you get paid and it is what it is. But games are very incentive laden with yeah. how that stuff's laid out for some of these really big projects. So, But I also think this is this is also evolving as you... You know, with the amount of ways that media is changing and it's revolving more around personalities and them talking and you you follow the people that share your interests, then at the end of the day, you will gravitate towards those people and put more weight into their lists. 
And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter because it's just, it's all subjective opinions. But if you are in a position where you're like, well, what is some of the better things that have come out this year? Like from a public perspective, it's, um, I guess the biggest unfortunate thing is that a lot of games are overlooked because of a groundswell of conversation that's kind of disregarding these games that are just, you know, substantially larger time sinks for better or worse. You can say, well, they they aren't there because most people don't have the interest in putting that amount of time into the game. And you know what? Fair enough. But yeah. I also think that people are missing out on some really good stuff by the by the lack of the exposure in those awards. Um, and I'm not even talking about my own games because all those games take like, you know, you, you could see everything in like three hours. Yeah. So that's like opposite end of the spectrum. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, my list is now complete for games I completed in 2000 in 2021. I cheated. I did end it with Tales of Arise, even though I did finish it on January 1st. But you know what? I put, I'm going to say 53 of those 55 hours in 2021. So God damn it, I'm putting it on that list. Deal with it. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, cool. So there you go. A lot of games. Yeah. What are you uh, looking yeah. forward to game wise most in 2022? What's the game that you're looking forward to? Oof. Um, I mean, I guess I don't know. To be perfectly honest, I'm not sure. Um, I know, let's I know see. Minus, there's two. I I could guess. I could guess one of them. At yeah, least. you could definitely guess one of them. Horizon Forbidden West. Absolutely. Can you guess the second one? The second one shouldn't surprise you, but it's one you're probably not thinking of. Well, are you? Did you even play the last God of War? No, that's not on my list. But yeah, um, I, I've watched some clips of it, but I've not played it. No, okay. which is surprising, given how much I love that series. But yeah, is it uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild two? It is. It is. Me and everybody else waiting for that game. I I yeah, told it's you allegedly the time. Coming out. Yeah, allegedly coming out. But that's the other one. Those are the two. Yeah, um, I'm looking at this list. Um, I usually gravitate more towards the original stuff. Like I like that stuff that comes out. So I'm really interested to see how Forspoken uh, turns out. That's like an action. It's like an action third person character driven game from uh, from Square Enix. So that should be interesting. Um, oh, the Cuphead DLC that's coming out in June. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, there's the there's the obvious stuff. I'm definitely going to play Horizon and God of War. Those are going to be great. Sure. Um, But yeah, oh, sequel to Plague Tales coming out next year. That'll be cool. And yeah, I'm just like looking forward to seeing what happens. There's there's a post-apocalyptic Kirby game coming out. So that'll be cool. (laughs) That's weird, (laughs) but okay, cool. It's very odd. Yeah, it's crazy. So uh, I'm interested to see what what Nintendo spits out. I'm interested in Zelda, but I I just I miss more traditional Zelda. Like if if all of a sudden Nintendo randomly announces that Wind Waker is coming to Switch, I'll replay that in a second. Like I, I love that. I, I love Wind Waker. It's my favorite Zelda. Yeah, and I I miss that. I'm not going to say classic. I, I mean, but that is the traditional Zelda, the more modern traditional Zelda game. I miss that. Um, but I will say I did I did start and finish my first game of 2022. Uh, within the last 24 hours of us recording. Um, and that is unpacking. 
and I gotta I want to talk about this game. Have you heard of it? Unpacking? No. Yeah. Not. You should you should look this game up. I'm looking it up. Because, Unpacking game. Okay. Uh, this game it's um it's a game where you uh, unpack things. Oh, that sounds and awful. And place them in rooms. And oh, this game is wonderful. It's one of this these is chore a, games where they like do stuff that you don't want to do in your regular life, but do it in this, a video game. This is a lovely, small little game. I think Ugh. some website actually gave this one their game of the year, and Just it actually tells anxiety a looking at it. Pretty good table, uh, pretty good uh, story along the way. What's interesting about the game is that yeah, it's a super simple concept. You have boxes. You open a box. You click on the box. Something comes out of it, and you have to place it in the room, and it basically, uh, and then you progress and you're the, the places you're unpacking in get bigger and I'm not going to spoil what the, what the overarching thread is, but it's very cool in how it presents itself. And, you know, there's some minor puzzle elements to it. Like you're not just going to dump everything on the floor and then it's like, okay, move on to the next level. It actually has a, um, it actually has a, um, certain requirements. So yeah, it's pretty cool. And the way it uses mechanic, the mechanic in its storytelling is really clever and it's super relaxing. But to your point, yeah, there's certain moments of anxiety, but it did it did reinforce one point that you have made to me, maybe on this podcast and elsewhere, which is uh don't buy books. <laughs> yeah. Because you uh you unpack a shit ton of books in this and yeah. god damn it the moment you run out of that shell space you're like god damn more books i'm telling you that's the one thing that everyone buys is like i want a big bookshelf and you're like yeah that's cool until you actually have to move those you actually want to move those books and then it's yeah. extremely painful <laughs> then it's yeah. the worst well but this this game is great and uh everybody should play it it's on it looks like it's on everything it's on android and um but I don't, it's got to be on ios as well um but it's on pc you know it's short it's quick it's easy um playing it with friends may be fun i don't know um oh it looks like it's not on mobile they say it is but it's not um uh, but i do uh i do recommend this it's a lot of fun it's cool and it's uh it's oddly emotional at times as well huh. so yeah check it out unpacking very unique one of the more unique games I've ever played it's on game pass Hmm. Gotta gotta okay. love that. So that's what I played it on. Played it yeah, on. I'm Xbox. watching video of it. Looks cool. Style's cool. But man, oh my god! Someone someone posted a video of this on Twitter, and it was pointing out the audio design of this thing. So nearly everything that you unpack can be placed anywhere, and everything has a different sound for every place you put it, and it's wild. It's wild. Like so, if you unpack a bowl, right, and you put it on the on tiles versus a wood countertop versus a chair, it sounds different. Or if you stack it in another bowl, it all sounds different. It's really cool in, mm. in that sense. So from a technical standpoint, it's very impressive, even though it looks very simple. Very and it simple. also accounts no, for a lot of clean, different though. things. Looks, looks very clean. Yeah, looks like the fact they do books. You know, you put them side by side, but you could also stack them. You know, and. You make some uh, tough decisions when you realize you are out of space. <laughs> a lot of times where I just ended up, I'm like, oh, I guess uh, how much shit can I just throw under the bed and get away with? <laughs> and the answer was a lot, a lot of yeah. stuff. There you go. <laughs> just like real packing. 
just like i mean just like real life it's like you're you are going to be limited by space no matter where you are so unpacking check it out um i don't think it's expensive either even if you're not on game pass it's still uh yeah looks like a 20 dollar game which is which isn't a bad thing i don't say that in a it's 20 bucks is that how much it costs yeah yeah 20 dollars yeah i'm guessing 20 bucks but it's on game pass so technically you could um you could pay a dollar for game pass and you could finish it before it's even over so you could play this game for a dollar worth a dollar worth 20 bucks it's worth the effort clearly game's awesome check it out game of the year so far unpacking because it's the first game and only game i've finished so um but it came out in 2021 so i don't even know how that factors in either missed the cut sorry sorry i also i I also want to say before this um before we started recording i was playing a game called uh foreclosed that I've had my eye on to check out for a while. It's like the cyberpunk third person shooter. Um, this game, apparently it's not very long. Apparently the game's like only two to three hours long. So I might just finish it tonight or tomorrow. Um, but I don't really want to because I want to love this game. This game looks awesome. The presentation is incredible. It starts off. It's great, but holy shit playing this game sucks. Like, I, I don't even want to. <laughs> it's a terrible thing to say, but this game has such amazing potential. The production values is great at times and at the peak. It's awesome. But the sensitivity controls for aiming don't really work on a controller. <laughs> and the um, so you're just kind of whipping around like crazy. The AI is just dumb and just stands there and um and just some of the ways to kill armored things if you don't get the right upgrade it's just a pain in the ass um and the the voice acting is not good it's super flat but it just looks so cool it reminds me it's like an elevated version of what 13 did back in like 2004 i think uh it was when that game came out it's like as far as a game presented in like this comic book style I, I've never seen anybody do it better. This game has like some of the highest highs and the lowest lows, like the highest peaks and valleys of any game I've ever played. It's crazy how how much my mind shifts. Where I'm like, this is really cool. I'm like, oh, this is really bad. And I'm like, oh, this, but this is awesome. Oh, this is really bad too. Let's do, that guy needs to stop speaking. Oh, this guy's actually a decent voice actor, and he's dead. Okay, great, cool. Well, back to my guy who just delivers every line like he's just reading it off the page. <laughs> Literally one of the lines. He was behind me. We know he's behind you. We just, why would you make that a written line? <laughs> anyway, that game was included in my Stadia Pro subscription, <laughs> so I didn't have to pay any extra money for it. And it's on every console. And TBD on whether the story's worth it, because the story is very intriguing, very cool looking. Um, But, All right, you know, cool. just playing it is brutal at times. It's really rough. I might just finish it on PC, I guess. Maybe it's easier with mouse and keyboard. But mouse and keyboard instead of a controller. Yeah. Yeah, sensitivity. At least I could my mouse I could actually change the sensitivity on. The controller I can't. So anyway, foreclosed. Not gonna be on the game of the year list. No. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah, exactly. So um oh actually, one thing I'd recommend you play. I would love to hear your opinion on this game. Mm-hmm. Is uh because you got some time coming up. Genesis Noir. 
I feel like we've talked just, about this before. We have, because I played early in the year. I'm just looking at all the games I played this year, and I'm wondering what what do I want you to play that I'd like to get your thoughts on. And Genesis Genesis Noir, look, you like that artsy bullshit. I think you'll be into it. <laughs> Maybe again, I've got a I've got a game to play that I've not gotten into that I plan. Yeah, on but these are like after if this you're podcast. basically I'm gonna re- if I'm gonna recommend some games that are like watching a movie. Yeah, unpacking definitely one of them. Genesis Noir, another one, and probably the best of those three, Artful Escape, is just, I don't do drugs, but if I did, this I would pair them with, would be. I would pair them with the Artful Escape. Yeah, Artful Escape's a very pretty game. I remember talking about the, this one before as well. Yeah, that as far as an experience goes, yeah, it's up there. One of the best of the year that I've had. It's great. It's really good. So that's it. I'm done. I'm out of shit to say. Cool. Obviously, we've been playing right. Halo. We know that's great. So yeah, that's all that's I got. <laughs> this is uh, we're at the end. You made it. I can't believe it. But welcome to the end of the podcast. Um, it's 2022. So what should you do to celebrate 2022? I don't know. Call up your friend. Tell him a happy new year and then say, hey, have you heard of He's Abroad? This is podcast hosted by these two dummies. And, uh, you know, they talk about One random dummy. shit every week. <laughs> who that is, you can decide, you know, yeah, you can you know, let, let us know. You could let us know who, who you think, you know, right there. But you should say, hey, look, so not only should you listen to it, but you should also review it when you find out how great it is. And when you do uh, identify the dummy. Choice is yours. There's no wrong answers. Anyway, till next time. This podcast is over.